0: Hey, Rock Sliders, it's Robbie Denning. I'm back with my friend, Travis Hobbs. Yep, he's been on the podcast a lot, and it's because he's been in the heat of things in northern Utah. He's feeding deer, and he's rubbing shoulders with the biologists and all the people that are out there on the ground, and he just keeps giving me good data. Uh, I was in a a fitness conference all week and watching his Instagram blow up with these updates on uh, Utah winter kill and where it is epic right now. And I thought I better get him on the podcast and he can kind of lay out what he's seeing, what he's hearing. It is March 25th right now. I'll try to get this podcast out later this week. So this information is current, but remember the spring is, 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 is not even coming right now. Like it's gotten worse weather since uh, the first day of spring five days ago. And uh, so this information could change uh, and and we'll keep bringing it to you, but I don't think it's going to get any better. It's probably just going to get worse. So anyways, Travis, tell us what, you know, man.
1: Robbie, thanks, buddy. It's always good to talk to you. I love shooting shit with you, especially about a deer.
0: Um, oh, hey, dude, this is a family podcast, dude. And you like what, you just beat? Your on Dustin's podcast, dude. That, All right, I think I'm you were four trouble. seconds into it, dude, and you're dropping the S bomb. But <laughs> hey, go ahead and continue. I'm just teasing you,
1: <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think I'm glad you brought up the fact that winter, like the mortality, is still happening. So deer are dying every day conditions are changing i've had a bunch of guys hit me up and say hey where's this information published where like what's going on how bad was winter kill i'm like guys it's not over yet i i it just it's going to be a little bit another few weeks for sure before a lot of these states i know some of the states are working on um trying to do tag allocations and they're trying to figure all this out but it's like a developing situation so it's still like you said Robbie, i got we got snowed uh past four days here um every day so it, it's still going
0: yep and for those of you that are just tuning in if you didn't follow us on the mule Deer days podcast um that we we did last week um and more of them are coming out uh we bet we was over to western wyoming uh their radio callers are starting to signal fawn mortality, adult mortality. Um, But more specifically for this podcast, Travis is talking about uh, Northern Utah. But Northern Utah is really the triple point for Southeast Idaho, western wyoming and northern utah and so you can get a good picture of what's going on in three different states just by listening to this podcast so travis um i believe on your instagram yeah the the first thing that you kind of clarified is where exactly are you talking about with this information that you're gonna that you're gonna present today
1: yeah so it's gonna be in the basically where wyoming cuts into that like they get cuts that square out of utah where that corner of wyoming so down like from Evanston, Wyoming down towards Park City, um, it's kind of like right in those in that set of units. Um, if you want, Robbie, maybe I'll just I'll just jump in like to my intention of this podcast, or like of what I want like people to understand, um, and the videos that I made is I want to demonstrate and show some alarming information that's coming out of a certain couple units in Utah. What's really crazy is there's this set of units. In Utah, that is reporting seventy percent adult female mortality, compared to neighboring units that are a little bit just barely north that are reporting only ten percent adult female mortality. So, like something crazy is going on, and I want to stress on this, like I want to stress this point that there's something going on besides just about winter. And I hope I can present information to articulate that, like by the time we're done today. It's, it's a carrying capacity issue on these uh, particular units. And some of the units are actually doing way better than uh, even I anticipated or a lot of people anticipated. Um, and Utah, like you mentioned, Utah is kind of the epicenter, I would argue, of the record-breaking winner um, that's going on right now. Like, I think, so this week alone, uh, multiple ski resorts have broken all-time records. Um, the snow water equivalent record for the state was just tied from the winter of 1983 in Utah. That's the overall s- and snow water equivalent. Sometimes you guys will see graphs labeled uh, SWE, snow water equivalent. It's a little different than a snowpack graph. Those I think started in 19. Let me look here. I got some not notes. snow in 1981. Mm-hmm. Um but that just gives like a much more accurate representation of moisture content instead of just looking at snow depth because it can vary so much. And the other cool thing about Utah, so Utah has more GPS collars online than any other Western state, and it's not even close. So because of this, we got some super accurate up-to-date information, kind of as this stuff unfolds. It's pretty wild to think years ago we would never understand the population dynamics this early uh it, it would be more or less like Robbie you you've done this you go out and like they used to go out in Wyoming and actually section off areas and count mortality mm-hmm. well this is another metric that just gives them like up to date almost instantaneous like in fact when a deer dies so how these GPS collars work when a deer dies it sends an email update to the biologists like that day so they are like right on top of this stuff it's super cool um anyways i guess we'll dive in so that just gives you a little background on utah why we're talking about yeah it. And yeah like dude. you said robbie I think it goes multiple States. It covers, it's good information for multiple States.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. And, 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 just what you said, Alta ski resort, which is what on the backside of salt Lake, I guess somewhere right there. Yep, yep, they, they, yep. they are within just a couple of inches of breaking their all time record right now too. And, um, you know, they're in the 700s, uh, inches range of snow. Yes. That's, that's like 60 feet of snow. Now that doesn't mean that there's still 60 feet of snow, yeah. you know, the snow, you know, melts and packs down and everything, but that's how much has fallen there so it's it's gonna it's gonna be a record-breaking winner
1: for sure and yeah and that's the thing is what's crazy about that snow water equivalent graph we are like on our way like it's it, it, we we are so far ahead like for the time of year we are that that's still gonna build and it, it probably will i'm sure it will break the record so it's, it's pretty interesting things that are going on um so a little background and context on like history of mule deer numbers winter kill what's like normal adult mortality, that kind of thing. And it's hard. I I misquoted some numbers um, in my Instagram videos. So my apologies, guys, when I made that I was really I didn't intend for it to get quite as crazy as it was. I just had some handwritten notes, but I'll try to dive into some of this stuff. Um, and Robbie, um, you were in your prime back in the '80s, so maybe you can shed some light. <laughs> <laughs> on well,
0: I'm my prime, dude. I'm I'm still in my prime. Um, I know you are. <laughs> yeah, dude. It lasted 40 years. The '80 '80 '83 '84 and '84 '85 were just record-breaking winters if you go back and look at these snow water equivalents and you know a few other metrics on there and uh, there's a small winter range just south of town here at the end of Ammon lincoln road and i remember you know i didn't know much about winter range then i was 16 years old 15 years old you know i, I just remember I, I was always going up there and you know shooting my 22 and stuff like that there were dead yeah. deer everywhere that year and you know usually you didn't even find any i mean they were everywhere and there was an old farmer up there his name was otis miller and i remember him telling me that man i just stood in one spot and just turned a circle and i don't remember how many he counted but i mean it was dozens and dozens of dead deer he just counted as as he was turning and this this uh 360 degree circle and so you know, when we start talking about numbers that are close to that, as far as, you know, snowpack and everything, you know, you know, it's going to be bad. Now, the things that are different, I'm sure you'll talk about it, is that part of what causes winter kill isn't just the hard winter, but also uh, how how the deer are physically going into the winter. And that can vary from range to range. And so, so we we don't want to just say, hey, this, the sky's fallen. It's going to be the worst ever because you can have the worst winter conditions and you still may not have the worst die off everywhere. But with with what Travis is going to jump into, uh, basically the backside of the Wasatch, you know, the front side of the Wasatch is Salt Lake. And, you know, the, but the backside of that is what he's talking about. Yep. Um, why, why don't you go ahead and jump into that, Travis? Yeah.
1: Okay, so so I'm going to quote some information, some older information. So Dennis Austin, Robbie, you've recommended that book. Um, it's called Mule Deer. He was a biologist on the cash unit, like in the 80s, 90s. Um, actually, maybe 90. He, he, I think he was there for over 20 years. Um, a long time. Guy, super familiar. He put a book together um, a number of years ago called Mule Deer, and it's very... It, it's very good. But what's cool is he put a lot of uh, information about like what was going on back in the days. And so some of these metrics are hard to understand because nowadays we look at, we look at fawn mortality. We look at buck mortality. We look at adult doe mortality. Back then it was more, you were just kind of looking at the population. Um, They had different metric stations. Like for one, I'm going to talk about Bucks checked in at a certain station, like in those bad years, just to kind of paint the picture. So I'll jump into that. So let's talk about the cash unit. Now, I'm the reason I'm going to discuss this the cash unit is that's Dennis Austin worked on the cash unit, quoted the cash unit in multiple d- different areas in the book, but basically to describe the cash unit. The Cache Unit sits right up on the Idaho-Wyoming border. It extends over through like Logan, Cache Valley, and then actually it even goes over the Wellsville Range into Box Elder County. Then it comes down south. It hits Sardine Canyon, which would be the connecting road from Brigham City to Logan. Then that goes over to Hiram. And then up through Blacksmith Fort Canyon um, into like Woodruff, that would be um, all the way d- damn near to the Wyoming, well, to the Wyoming border. And then that's that unit. So it's that upper corner. It's a pretty good size unit. This unit historically has always taken the worst winter hits um, for a number of reasons. Some of the valley floors there are uh, like 6,000 feet and greater, um, very high winter range, uh it's far north um it just it gets pounded with snow uh, randolph utah that has been one of the coldest places um in the state of utah you also have like the peter sinks country which is a record breaking cold spot in utah that's lies in this unit so just that gives you a little bit of information so i'm going to jump into like just to try to paint a picture of what bad winter kills look like back in the 80s so if you look at his information and this check station information it's kind of an interesting metric to look at because it's not i would say super accurate as like a population trend but it definitely gives good background and helps paint a picture of like what's going on on the landscape so in 1981 at that blacksmith fork check station they checked an astounding 505 deer like that's insane at this check station. And you'll kind of understand as I give these numbers. So 1982, only 126 bucks were checked.
0: So down from 500. So they, they...
1: Five, yep, down to 126. And then what's interesting is 1983. So that was a bad winter. There was actually an increase of 223. It went back up to 223 bucks. Then in 1984, This is the year that Utah, what's interesting about the 83 winter is it caused a bunch of flooding, everything else, but the big die-off actually happened in 1984. Utah, it was super cold temperatures. He quotes a bunch of stuff in that book that he believes caused that, but they figured a 50% loss in the mule deer, like across the entire state of Utah and a 70% reduction on the cash unit. Like that, that's incredible to me to think about lost half the deer in one year statewide. So we're talking the entire state of Utah, all that desert country, the Southern stuff, there was even lost down there. Um, And like I said, that cash unit, and there was a couple other units that had 70% um, reduction in overall deer numbers, just incredible. Um, That year, so in 1984, Bucks that did, what got checked in dropped all the way down to 57 deer. So you went up from 1981, oh a high of 505 bucks all the way down to 57 bucks. And then what's crazy is this trend continued. And so we'll look at 1990, 91, 92, and 93. So eight, 1989 at this check station, 104 bucks. 1990, 181 bucks. 1991, 258 bucks so you see that trend it's just rising then we have the 91 92 winner which was fairly i mean it it wasn't great there was a reduction 237 bucks now 1993 um either 84 or this 93 winner depending on who you talk to a lot of old timers around uh the region talk about it, it as like the end of mule deer as they knew it yep. so 1993 again it's incredible 16 bucks were checked in so it went from 258 in 1991 237 in 1992 all the way to 16 bucks the following year in 1994 31 bucks and as i look at this information and it only goes out so far Um, We jump up into 1997 and then I, but I'm quite sure to my knowledge, that check station had never has, never has had a hundred, at least never had a hundred deer ever again, checked in there. So that's like incredible to paint that picture of like what kind of loss we had. And that's what a 70% reduction in deer looks like. Like it's, horrible. So when we say 70% reduction in some of these units this year, it's catastrophic. Like it's it's unbelievable. Um that's the point I'm trying to make is like there was two big peaks in mule deer numbers in 1981 to 1984 and then again in 1989 to 1991. Uh I know so like Wyoming range, we'll just talk about that for a minute. I have some notes here. Let me see. So Wyoming range. Um They had just under 50,000 animals. Um, Let's see. Yeah. 50,000 animals. um, The bad winter of 1983 come. So 1982 had 50,000 bad winter in 1983 that reduced the herd by roughly 20,000 animals. That was a 40% reduction. Mm -hmm. Then if we go to this is, and this is crazy where the rubber really hits the road for me. They jumped all the way to nearly 60,000 animals in the early 90s. Um, So nearly 60,000 mule deer. It was like 50, I can't remember. I just made a rough note, 60,000. We use that. Then the crushing winter of 92, 93, that affected up there just like it did in Utah, Southeast I, all over it brought their overall deer numbers to 25,000 animals. That was a 60% reduction. So that winner, if you were to read any literature out of Wyoming, almost every page or anything talking about mule deer will cite that winner as like something just to behold like something yeah, insane. Right. And I yeah. And I yeah, mean I, Robbie
0: I don't think we ever got back could... to sixty thousand deer on the Wyoming
1: range. Yep. I mean you know, I nope. think it's
0: I think it's uh was was in the high thirties here with our last peak of sixteen seventeen. And you know, these are just numbers off the cuff that are in my mind. Yeah. Talking to those biologists over there, but but yeah, and and some will argue that we never should have been at sixty thousand deer. You know, we and don't for sure, and there is there's definitely. That on the podcast, yeah. but yes, you know, it's not. We don't want to put out there that hey, we have to be back at these numbers Um, because sometimes those high numbers are what's causing the the, the major decline. Uh, Travis had mentioned 100% carrying capacity. Is, you have man. that many deer yes. on the range, it's just like having too many horses in the corral and you don't have enough hay. Something's got to give. And uh, no, so- I'm
1: so yes, I'm so glad you brought that up because. That- that's the thing is like that, that's the reason because deer numbers were so high and over objective and carrying capacity was at maximum um that's why we see such massive die-offs and that's kind of where i'm going with this place that's happening in utah and i'll jump into a yeah. like how it breaks down so but just to bring bring it back full circle so because a lot of guys don't remember the 80s, 90s. Um, I'm going to just reference 2016-17 die-offs just for context.
0: Yeah, go, that go, ahead, and hit, go ahead and hit that. Yep. And then then we got to so, jump into these Utah numbers. Yep. We've only got about 20% so of Okay,
1: perfect. So the cash unit in 16-17 lost 30% of their adult females. Wyoming range, identical, 30%. So everybody that's hunted those ranges and talked about that and experienced how horrible a 30% reduction is. That's kind of what happened in 2016, 17. So now I'll jump in to Utah at a place that's experiencing a 70% reduction in 2023. Already, so and it.
0: we're only March twenty fifth.
1: Yes. And we're already yeah, and that's why it's that's why it's so alarming. And I didn't do a good enough job like breaking that down. And so I'll do that here. Okay. So, okay. But
0: before you do, we want to let everybody yep. know we're not counting every deer on the range. This is just in their sample yes. size of collars. Yep. So I'm sure I Travis can hit on that. Very one,
1: important.
0: That we've lost 70% of adults that were collared. That 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 may be less on the range. It may be more, but you know, these, these, are, these are just some example. guidelines to go by. Yep.
1: Yeah. Go ahead. For sure. 100%. So um, we'll talk about, so we talked about the cash unit um right up on the wyoming idaho border well just south of it is a set of units i like to refer to as the wasatch back unit so it's got morgan south rich chalk creek east canyon um for those of you familiar with like unit groupings in utah um for ease of explaining like we talked about robbie so the corner of southwestern wyoming like where evanston wyoming is it kind of points into these units so basically from evanston wyoming you drive down the freeway, you hit the Utah border, it's this, the country I'm talking about experiencing this 70% loss is like the country on both sides of the road, down through there towards Park City. Um, What's going on in these units? So that's what I want to talk about. These units are compromised of the largest holdings of private land in the state of Utah. So all these units, less than 30% public lands, big ranches. So Big ranches with national recognition, Deseret land and livestock, I think they're roughly 250,000 acres. Enzyme ranches, 80,000 acres. All of these units, what they have in common is they've been over objective on elk for years. There's been a number of studies about this. Um, Basically, any elk that are on public land in these units Take refuge on private land, and basically, the private landowners have really been refusing to remove the elk. So you have these these units that are literally not taking enough elk. Um, I want to stress, like the, Udo, the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources has been cautioning about this for years. They've been bringing this up. Um, it's it's now kind of the rubbers meeting the road, in my opinion. Um, We'll, and i'll talk more about that right
0: right so to, to summarize we've got too many elk in those units and yep. uh, the the elk are impacting the carrying capacity for deer on the landscape they can't really harv- get a harvest on those elk no matter how many permits they, they 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 give because those elk take refuge on private land and unless the private land is willing to let especially cow elk hunters that's that's how you manage your population yes. uh, we're not we're not talking bull permits here we don't need permits to go hunt the bulls but cow elk permits they're just not that effective in that unit because you shoot at the you shoot at the elk, boom, they run on private and that's their sanctuary.
1: Hundred percent, Robbie, and you you nailed it. Like many of these same ranches have been complaining about poor deer recruitment, no more big bucks, you know, all that stuff that goes along with it. So, what's going on right now? They are experiencing an epic die-off. So, not only are these collar, so not only are the collars signifying seventy percent adult female mortality. Robbie, I'm talking dozens of bull elk dead along, like, so one small wildlife management area that's down, so this is a publicly owned, like, so Utah owns it, it's like a winter range, a small, it's not very big, I can't remember the acres. There are dozens of bull elk dead, starved to death on this uh, wildlife management unit. Um, these pictures, Robbie, it's insane. And I, I made no in like, so part three on my Instagram. Let me interrupt. Let me interrupt
0: you here, Travis. Uh, For those of you that need to see these pictures, if you jump onto uh natural born hunter, NTRL BRN hunter on Instagram, that's Travis, or just try type in Travis Hobbs. And he's got all this in his, uh, reels, uh, that he posted here, March 23rd, 24th, 25th, right around in there. You can jump in there and see those pictures. If you watch those reels.
1: Yep. Um, so yeah, caller data showing 70%. And I mean, these pictures, they're just insane. And, and this is happening like right off the freeway. So not only when I started posting about this stuff, like the pictures that came into me, so even since I even posted those pictures, it's just mind blowing, Robbie. It's just, it's wild to see. And again, to stress, like this is numbers in line with the early 80s and 90s die-offs that had serious carrying capacity issues. And that's to me what I think is going on here in these units because this is the deal to stress. I need mean, want to stress this point: the cash unit to the north of these units. And that's a unit that typically should have as high or worse winter kill than these units. They're only experiencing Robbie ten percent adult mortality right now. So
0: now let me like, add, now. So are you saying that that, that that it's because the cash unit is not over objective on elk?
1: hundred percent. The cash and We know unit, they're
0: not over objective. You've looked at those numbers.
1: Yes, one hundred percent. So the cash unit is actually at. under objective on elk okay so they're at or under objective and
0: that's been on purpose like i know utah yes because it's public on that elk population
1: yes and and it's easy for them to manage because there's large tracts of prior public land where they can actually issue permits and make a difference on that cash unit that's really the difference as to what's going on here so you have a place with some public land that they can manage Mm -hmm. just south of it they can't do anything. They have little management. They like they even wrote this in their elk plan. They brought up this grouping of units that it was an issue for them because they really couldn't manage the elk that's going on. And I guess what I really want everybody to understand too is the cash arguably has at least equal snow um, on the winter range. I would say probably more. And the snow water equivalent levels like between these units. It's all very similar. So hold on, hold on,
0: hold on. I got it right here. As of March 25th, on Utah Snowtail Current Water Equivalent, this is from the NRCS. Uh, They're 186 on the Weber Ogden, which it's there. It's the NRCS's way that they um, categorize these these river basins, is what it is. But but it overlaps the Morgan, you know, Rich, all the stuff Travis talking about. They're at 186 and. percent but the cash Travis is is at 161 so dude there's still a 25 20 percent difference yeah
1: and that could be leading to some of it no doubt but it's just very interesting to see how a unit just north can have only 10 percent adult mortality mm-hmm. versus 70 percent like what they're mm-hmm. seeing and like we don't have elk starving I don't have sea elk Standing off the side of the road, skin and bones, starving to death. The shot elk, bull elk, dying in like mass. Not yet. I mean, hopefully that's not going to happen. It's just very alarming to see this kind of thing happening in today's yeah. day and age, to me.
0: Right, right. And um, the, on your pictures that were on Instagram, I, I didn't see any cow elk uh, unless they were laying on that trailer bed with all those dead animals. Um, I just saw bulls, which you typically you know this is deductive reasoning they typically don't make it as long as the cows you know this has to do with the rut and how much body fat they go into in the winter has anybody sent you any pictures of the condition of some of those cow elk
1: yes i have seen some pictures of cow elk dead um I think a lot of times, too, Robbie, as hunters, we always like the bulls and bucks are more valuable to us. So I think that's probably why (laughs) some of those pictures are uh, are more on that. Um, And the the other thing I wanted to say, Robbie, what's interesting about this year, back in like the 80s, the 90s, it was like a region-wide die-off. There was never anything documented to see... Uh, one unit that has like a 10% and then some of the units to the South, they're doing great too. I don't have their information, but they're doing great. Like I mean, we're talking to the, the South, south, south like, units. like,
0: like, like the, uh, the nine mile unit and, you, know, yes, down believe, into, yep, so, you yep. know, from there South, that's kind of what I've got. Yeah, like too. down around
1: Castledale price, all that country, even in like, I think out in like the basin they're doing better. So like out in like around Vernal, that kind of country, they're doing better too. So that's, what's interesting is you have this one area with a whole bunch of private land that utah's been saying for years they've been over objective on elk that are just getting crushed and all these other places are doing amazingly like and i'm knock on wood like we said it's early but they're doing quite a lot better than we thought and i mean i want to say too fawn mortality across the state or across the north it's gonna it's gonna be horrible it's gonna be rough oh yeah Um, that's all yeah
0: I think this triple point of Utah, Wyoming, Idaho, I can't imagine we're not going to experience eighty to ninety percent fawn loss. You know, don't quote me on that. We'll have the numbers here in a in a month or two. Mm-hmm. You know, usually by May, we know. Um, uh, but but it's gotta be one of those years because you know that's how sixteen seventeen was. Some of those units lost all of their collared fawns. All of them. Yes. There were none left, you know. Yep. So uh, but anyways, um but so and Robbie, got, I guess.
1: Go ahead to summarize like my entire thought process on this and like where i'm going we can't really control these private land units but one thing i want to say and like my biggest takeaway guys be careful what you wish for robbie i worry that if the average hunter got to make management decisions for all of us we'd Mm -hmm. be in the same boat everywhere you Mm -hmm. know the guys i'm talking about like you go to the meetings and they're all screaming about there isn't enough elk Yep. there's not enough deer that damn yep. fishing game don't know what they're talking about yep. this and that and it's just this is the point I'm trying to make is guys we have to trust the scientists and the managers it's okay to question and it's yeah. good to question and jump yep. into this stuff but man some of this stuff is so frustrating Robbie to see I hate to see a waste of a resource um we're just better than that in 2023 with all our our technology and all the expertise we have in biology we should be better than this and 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 this transfers over to like so i live in southeast idaho unit 76 robbie and you're familiar like the diamond creek elk hunt um or Mm unit and they are so far completely over objective for years and it has been
0: yeah
1: for years and it's and I still go to these meetings and there's still guys in there complaining about every time they want to do a cow elk hunt or anything like that. And the deer hunting is horrible in these units, like 76, it has went so far downhill from what it used to be. Yep. It's just, I, I just wish, I wish hunters would get more involved. I wish they would try to understand these issues instead of just complaining about, you know, the damn fishing game doesn't know what they're talking about. It's just, and you know. And carrying capacity, like it's simple, man, we, we should all learn that in like high school, middle school biology. It's, it's just, it's so basic. Um, I just wish we looked at it and I wish there was a little more understanding about it from, uh, just from everybody, hunters in general.
0: Well, that's why I got you on the podcast because you know I, I I've lived on both sides of this. You know, I grew up around people that you know hated the fishing game and you know everything they yep, did was wrong. Too. And and then you know when I started volunteering for the fishing game and rubbing elbows with biologists and everything, man, they were speaking a completely different language. And uh, you know the whole carrying capacity thing is is you can't manage animals over carrying capacity for long long term. Something's got to give. And yep. uh, and and so this is this, this is why. I'm all about the conservation orgs that are trying to conserve habitat, improve habitat, because long term, that's where your investment pays off is, you know, (laughs) number one, we got we got to keep as as much of it under public control as we can, um, because you just made the case, you know, once it's under private control is, you know, they they set the rules. If they don't want any cow elk hunters in there, there's yes. nothing we can do about it. And, uh uh but, but investing in the habitat and I'm all for predator control and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, investing in the habitat, keeping, keeping the, it from being developed, uh, especially important, crucial winter range, migration corridors, you know, stuff like that. That's what allows these deer um to, to, to survive. Cause we're still going to have hard winters. I mean, we don't want to, I don't want to make it sound 100%. like the sky is falling either, Travis, because, you yep. know, these, these deer will probably, rebound. Um, but to, to, if they do, it's going to be because of the habitat. And after these really hard winters, if there's one plus, if there's no drought and drought is what sends these deer into these winters in bad shape and Mm -hmm. uh, reduces their survivability, you know, that's part of the whole carrying capacity thing is, is, is how, how do they handle drought? So you know we've only got a couple minutes here before we got to close the podcast that's why i want everybody to join the mule deer foundation join muley fanatics um get out there and support these guys because they, in, in different ways that's what they're trying to do is conserve the habitat the range and they do a lot of other stuff besides that uh, because long term that that's how you get the deer back we can't do any much about the weather and uh but it you know getting these deer recovered is going to be important and if i was uh, in in those units this year that travis j- that, uh, just mentioned you know hopefully y- utah's been Pretty progressive about managing not so much unit by unit, but deer, at least deer herd by deer herd. Correct, Travis? Is that?
1: Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: That, you know, we're going to see big reductions in, in tags in those units as we should. Um, I can't imagine Utah is not going to do anything about that. I mean, I think, I think they will. But I would be looking somewhere else to hunt this year than this big kind of triple state thing that we keep talking about. Um, we'll know more here in the, in the next few weeks, but I just put that out there because every time one of these podcasts launches, my Instagram blows up and rocks yes, blows sure. up on, on where I should hunt. And I, honestly, I can't answer all those. Um, so I'm just, yeah, I'm it's, just still yep. yeah it's still developing yeah, and, and, and I can't physically answer them all. You know, the, there's just too many of them, but you know, when, when this winter kill hits, I, I always try to look, you know, somewhere else that it's not so bad. So Amen, Anyways. And I'm,
1: I'm glad you mentioned that. Like the sky isn't falling. What's uh, I want the one takeaway too, about this, dude, it's amazing that some of these units are doing so good when we are, when we're having such a record breaking winter, like that, the numbers coming off the cash. That's shocking, man. I really anticipated adult mortality to be way worse by now. And and like we said, still developing. So it's not, the sky is falling, but there are definitely places, man, it's going to like, in some of this stuff. And I'm sure, Maybe we can dive more into it because there's going to be more coming out about this stuff. Like yeah. it's a big top topic. So, yeah. Yeah. and as the information comes out, we'll know more.
0: You bet, man. I'll I'll have you back on as 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 more of this stuff comes out. And when we were at the mule deer days in Rock Springs, uh, their does that they had tested in the fall um, were at high body fat levels that, that could offset a lot of this. Um, and so it doesn't mean it's not, not a year to hunt the Wyoming range. Um, especially if you have the points, cause you know, something could change, you know, the uh, Wyoming is hammering the non-residents right now. They're trying to get rid of us all. Uh, that's another podcast, but, um, um, you know, <laughs> if you've got the points, then, um, it uh, might might still be a year to do it, and, and and I'm exaggerating when I said they're trying to get rid of us all, but they're they're really whacking on the non-residents right now. So if you've got the points, you just just stay tuned and uh, stay in touch with with uh, other resources that uh, study the population of that state. It still might be a decent year to go, especially if you get point creep and you can't go next year, or the next year, or the next year. You know, this is this is just part of deer hunting in the modern age. You gotta gotta keep your finger on the pulse. You know, back in the 80s and 90s, it wasn't it wasn't quite so critical because it was easier to get tags and you could jump around a little bit more where now you gotta you gotta think further ahead so um anyways so travis thank you so much for that and uh thanks buddy anything, yep. anything else you need to throw in there we got about two minutes no i
1: don't think so guys i think uh it's just like your obviously said i think you've brought up some great points man um it's just it's very interesting to follow all this stuff and this data um i really think guys just get involved like really it's uh, involved locally try to understand what's going on what some of these uh biologists are saying how things are shaping up if you live here and if not there's different resources to kind of watch some of this stuff it's good it's good to know it makes you a better buck hunter i really believe it does robbie
0: Oh yeah, totally. That's that's what that's why I, I do this stuff. Is it does it gives you a um, it allows you to make better decisions. It it keeps you grounded in reality rather than emotion. Because when stuff like yep. this is happening, this is where everybody gets emotional, and you know, that's why I keep saying, well, the sky's not falling. It is for in some places, but um, you know you you can you can make better decisions if you have better information. So, hundred percent, man. It's good. to All talk right, to bro. You. Well, hey, thanks for thanks for being on, and uh, we'll catch up with you in a few weeks.